Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message. I have one more announcement. At the end of February, I don't even know what Sunday that is. 27th? Thanks. It's always good to have help in the crowd. February 27th, that'd be the last Sunday in February. We're going to receive our big give offering. That's something we do every single year here at the Vineyard. And what we do is we take the whole offering and we try to put it towards some special thing here at the church. Like maybe, uh, you know, a couple years ago we, uh, we bought this little extra piece of land from the city and expanded our parking lot, that kind of thing. But what we're going to do this year is we're going to need to hire a new kids' church worker here at the Vineyard. Uh, For the last good bit, Heather has been taking care of that, and her time of doing that is drawing to a close. And we're going to need to hire someone else. And here's what I would love to do. I'd love to receive an offering, and I'd love to have budget for like two years of hiring somebody part-time, like a really good budget of hiring someone just set aside for our kids' ministry. Now, here's what would be awesome. Um, this, takes, this takes everybody in the room, because I don't know if you're aware of this, but we got kids here at the Vineyard. And uh, I don't know if you're also aware of this, but we're in the midst of another, another baby explosion. Like, like people are popping babies like crazy. They're just, they're literally everywhere, and we're in the, another, we're in the midst of another baby boom, and you're going to see that this summer uh, when, we have our little, when we have our little baby dedication, which is awesome, right? So... This is a really important part of what we do here at the Vineyard, and we would love to just take that offering, set it aside, and have a budget so that we can hire a brand new kids' church uh, pastor for like two years. And here's what I think it'll take, 40 or 50 grand. In order to, in order to get a good part-time person for two years, it's probably between 40 and 50 grand. So uh, that's actually possible for us to do. I'd love to do it. So here's what I would love. Talk, think, and pray, and go, how can we give and sow into this offering, if you're part of the vineyard, if you're a family here at the vineyard, if you would like your kids to be cared for here at the vineyard, then this is something we all have to do together. Cool? All right. That'll be coming up the very last Sunday in February. And I would love it if everybody here would just go, you know what? It's time for us to dig deep and let's just get the budget set aside so we can make a really good hire and have their salary completely covered for like two years. Cool? All right. Uh, Emily, you want to come on up? All right. Hey, everybody, why don't you do this? Why don't you, uh, why don't you say, what up, Emily? That's right. And I think you're using this microphone, aren't you? I got the earrings on, so I can't use the, you know. Good morning. How is everyone? Oh, good. Great. I need to pull up my notes first things first. Well, it's still January. Has this seemed like the longest month for anybody else? Oh my gosh. Well, there's still one day left. So <laughs> we, we can do this. Um, it feels like a common theme that I've talked to people um, and just asked them, how, how are things going? And the answer is across the board, not great. Oh, unwell. Some people I've talked to um, have been dealing with like, capital B, like big, 
bad things. But the, the majority of the people that I've spoken to recently um, have just been dealing with just run-of-the-mill hard stuff, you know? Snow days that never end. Uh, COVID. Uh, this week, my little baby son had to go get stitches in his finger. We didn't anticipate that. But that's like hard stuff, you know? Um, and I, I just wanted to say this is not really in our notes. It was just like my notes. It's like an impression I got this morning. I realized that something that has been keeping me anchored this month has been being here with everybody on Sunday morning. Um, so I just want to extend an invitation to you this morning, if you're like me and you can relate, or if what I was saying was resonating with you, and I've seen head nods, so I know that it's true. Um, I just felt like the Lord wanted to extend the invitation for us to just come, um, come up for some air, come up for air. So um, I received that, and I hope that you can too. All right, are we ready? All right, I'm going to just pray real quick. Jesus, thank you so much for um, our church, for a place to gather when things are easy and when things are hard. We love you, and we just want to set this time aside to hear from you today. Amen. All right. Well, we're continuing our series about what? Anybody? The kingdom of God. We're looking at parables, specifically the parables in Matthew 13. Um, I used to approach parables as just like cute little riddles that Jesus told, <laughs> right? Um, but a few years ago, uh, the Lord started using parables specifically as a vehicle of very deep spiritual transformation in my life. And I'm so thankful uh, for that season that he brought me through and how it has changed my approach to the kingdom of God. And I'm thankful to be able to share this uh, with you all this morning. So we're going to be talking about um, the parable of the yeast and the parable of the mustard seed. Let's go ahead and pull that up. We're just going to read it first thing. So we know what we're about this morning. Matthew 13, 31. Here is another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast and three measures of flour, it perme permeated every part of the dough. Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. And this fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. Great. So when I first started coming to the vineyard in 2005, I did that math this week. I was like, what? Okay. Um, I noticed that there was like a different vocabulary 
in this church as opposed to what I had uh, grown up in. I've shared this before from up here. I was born and raised Southern Baptist, but not just like casually Southern Baptist, really, really Southern Baptist. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just giving you a background of where I've been. Um, But I fall very squarely into this category of people who the kingdom of heaven was not like used in much talk in the church where I grew up. Or if it was, it was just very convenient imagery, okay? For example, you guys ready for this? I was part of a kid's puppet ministry. We took it very seriously. There were practices. We used black light. Oh yeah, went to competitions and on mission trips. And do you know what we were called? King's Kids. King of what? Well, we didn't talk about that part. (laughs) But we were the King's Kids puppet ministry. And we're pretty good, too. I'm not going to lie. Now, just because the kingdom of God was not really in my vocabulary until I started coming to the vineyard, it doesn't mean that I came here with a blank slate. Right? As with anything that we're raised up in, my early experiences in the church very much informed how I approached the kingdom once I came here. So if you had asked young Emily, what is the kingdom of heaven like? I imagine my response would have been something like, well, I'm part of the kingdom and lost people are not part of the kingdom. And it's my job to bring the kingdom to them. And we do this collectively as Christians by like, Achieving and maintaining power. That would have been my answer. Now, I would have been younger, so I probably wouldn't have been quite so eloquent. But upon introspection, that would have been the answer. So, for instance, um, I was under the assumption that when I grew up, I would have, like, atheists lurking around every corner, right? They're ready. They're going to trip you up. They got questions and you got to have answers, you know, one of those things. I felt like I had to be, even in high school, uh, an apologetical expert. Do you know what I'm really bad at? Debating people (laughs) about anything. Like, oh, you have an opinion? Cool. I do too, and I don't want to really talk about it, so (laughs) it's fine. Um, But I felt like, you know, we took that 1 Peter 3.15 verse, you got to be prepared to have an answer for the hope. Like, very seriously. Can anybody relate to this? Yeah. Um, That is what it is. But um, I also felt like I had to have really good numbers. So it was not uncommon in my youth for like a youth leader or a, you know, whoever to ask, how many people have you shared the gospel with? And I'm like 13. The answer was, I have not done that. <laughs> but I would always just be like, oh, I can't even remember. It's been <laughs> so many. <laughs> uh, and the gospel was never, hey, Jesus loves you. The gospel was, if you died tonight, where would you go? Yikes. Okay. I remember one night, you guys, 
this is embarrassing. Um, my family probably doesn't remember this, but I remember it because it was embarrassing and I got in trouble, <laughs> okay? But I remember one night in elementary school, <laughs> I convinced my brother that he was not saved. <laughs> I was like, you know, there's a burning, fiery lake of hell, and you're probably going to end up there. How about you just let me walk you through the Romans road so that we can just make double sure <laughs> that you <laughs> that you end up where you want to end up. And he's my little brother, so of course he was like, okay. Now, imagine yourself as a parent. You just want to put the kids to bed and watch your shows, right? But you've got your two kids and they're having some sort of like spiritual existential crisis. But it's because even at a young age, I picked up on this like thing in the zeitgeist that like we have to um, bring the kingdom and to the people that we deem need it most. In that case, it was my brother at the time. <laughs> Sorry, Kyle. He's a wonderful human being, and he did not deserve that. So, but again, we were young. <laughs> if I were. And then again, we're talking about younger Emily. Some of you are like, young? She's still young. I know. Um, <laughs> elementary school, teenage, college Emily. Um, if I were to cast myself as characters in these parables, okay, the ones that we read this morning, I would cast myself as the farmer planting the good news. You know, I would cast myself as the woman baking the bread, doing the work. Because that is how I related to the narrative of the kingdom at that time. It's like, we are the ones who, do the, who are going and doing, right? So, by studying these parables, uh, the Lord really changed my heart. And in that... Uh, he began to reshape my understanding of the kingdom of God. Um, as I began to learn more, he began to recast my role in these parables. And I have come to learn, you know what we are? We're the birds making a nest in the largest plant in the garden. We are a puff of flour that is incorporated into the dough. Is there power in God's kingdom? Of course. Of course there is. Is it power as we experience kingdoms of earth? It is not at all. And if the power of the kingdom is different, then the way that we relate to that power is going to be different as well. Do you know what are not these strong action-oriented roles in these parables? The bird, <laughs> the flower, yeah. And for me, the point of intersection, when I began to realize, you know, I may, be wrong, I may have been wrong about this, like forever, <laughs> for my whole life, um, is when kingdom power meets the fact uh, that the kingdom is here now and has been here all along, even among all the badness in the world. 
The kingdom is still here, and it's still rising and doing its thing. And guess what? I did nothing to make it happen. And neither did you. <laughs> Hopeful word today. But that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I just want to talk about kingdom power. And I want to talk about how that um, affects our inner life and our outer lives. Okay? So, um, does anyone here have in their home right now, or have had in the past, a picky eater? I see some, okay, show of hands. Are you yourself the picky eater? Because if you are, and if you're an adult, come on. Make some Brussels sprouts. It's fine. They're good. It's fine. We still have a hand raised. That person's very picky. Uh, we have a picky eater in our house. So I have a one-year-old. I mean, he eats whatever, right? He's fine. He'll get there. He'll get there. I have a five-year-old. He's kind of a picky eater, but he's got eh, a decent variety of food. Summer knows where I'm going with this. But my daughter... Oh, my daughter. I've never met a pickier eater in my life. Here's how I know she's picky. It's because it's not like, ooh, I don't want to eat my vegetables. It's, ooh, this cookie looks odd. I don't even want that. We were at a birthday party yesterday, and she just licked some of the frosting off of a cupcake and was like, meh, I'm done. Don't like it. Who does that? Uh, it's, it's been years. We have tried everything. We've tried everything. I've tried bribery. I'm not above it. <laughs> I've tried a sticker chart. Those don't work. Um, we've tried to just like coerce her into eating. Like, you must eat. Well, that obviously doesn't work. Um, we've tried the, have you guys heard of no thank you bites? Okay, this is millennial nonsense. Here's what it is. You teach your kid to just, you're not going to like the food. That's fine. Just take a little bite and be like, no thank you. That's nonsense, but we've tried it. It doesn't work. Uh, the three-bite rule, you have to try three bites of everything on your plate, and then it was like, just two bites? One something? Uh, we've tried, you can't get up from the table until you eat everything. You know what happened then? I broke down in tears after two hours, and she said, how will I get my beauty rest? Because I don't plan to eat anything on this plate, and it is bedtime. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> you win. <laughs> uh, I bought a program, cash money, bought a program that was supposed to help turn a picky eater into a not-so-picky eater. Do you think it helped? It did not. <laughs> um, I follow Instagram accounts dedicated to telling you how to get your child to eat. Nothing. So do you know what we've done? We made a conscious decision to give up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We have tried every mainline approach to power that we could think of. But in the end, we just gave up. And you know what? Dinner is slightly more peaceful. There's no meltdowns about food anymore. There are meltdowns. <laughs> but it's not about food. Here's where I'm going with this. A few weeks ago, without any power play on my behalf, my daughter took up her little fork, speared a piece of broccoli, 
and she ate it. What? And you know what she did? She ate another piece after that. I could have died. The last green vegetable she ate was Christmas of 2018. I remember specifically. What does this have to do with anything? Well, because we thought we'd get her to eat one way. We thought, we're the parents. We have the power. We can follow the Instagrams and buy the program and make her sit there and eat and open her mouth. You know. We thought it would work one way, but what actually ended up working was the way that shouldn't have worked at all, which was to just kind of give up. And it's like this with the kingdom of God, too. Uh, Robert Capon writes in his book, Kingdom, Grace, and Judgment. I meant to bring it with me. I didn't have it. Next week, we'll bring it. That God tried a mainline, direct show of force power, right, when he wiped everyone off the face of the earth. And since that time of the flood and Noah, you know this story, onward... Uh, He's vowed never to do that again. The rest of the Bible shows a God who creates a nation out of an old, barren man and woman who made an army out of dried-up skeleton bones, who called King David the adulterer and the murderer, a man after his own heart. And I'm going to quote Capon here. God sent his son Jesus, who put himself forth in the Gospels as a plausible, intervening, advice-giving, miracle-working Messiah before he finally reveals himself as a dying, rising, and disappearing one. Let's pull up Luke 17. I'm going to read a few verses out of Luke 17. One day, those pesky old Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God, guess what, is already among you. So often we want to see a display of power or force so that we can say like, there, that, that's the kingdom. But what Jesus is saying in this passage and what he said with his whole life is that the kingdom is already here among us and it's already doing its thing. Now, if you're like me and you can see the uh, not so sunny side of every situation, Uh, my first inclination is to ask, well, what kind of power does this thing have if things can still be going so drastically wrong in the world, both on like a global scale and in our own little January lives, right? And again, the answer is, well, this is not power like we envision it. It's the dying kind of power. Yeah. It's the power that I know Adam has said this a thousand times. It seems like losing. All right, I want to talk about trusting 
and waiting for just a minute. Because once you start to take hold of the truth, like the kingdom power is not how we thought it was, and actually the kingdom is here and has been here and is working all along, um, that really does a number on your like inner life, okay? Um, so often the narrative that we buy into is, here are the places where the kingdom is, here are the places where the kingdom is not, and let's just take a moment to appreciate that that uh, places that we say the kingdom is not is so often formed by our own like cultural, religious, socioeconomic inclinations. Okay, yeah. And we, we focus on the places where the kingdom is not because we believe it's our job to make the kingdom happen in those places, right? And most of us, I'm, I've done this, guys. I didn't have a bad intention in my body. I did not. But you don't have to be a baker to understand the metaphor that we see in this parable. When the ingredients to make dough are combined, we got water, flour, yeast, salt, a little bit of sugar, when those ingredients are combined, once that dough is formed, we don't deconstruct bread dough, right? Some fancy chefs may try, but they'll fail. It's not a thing. You can't do it. It should be an encouragement to us all that as we leave these doors today, we go to our workplaces, our schools, our children's sports games, whatever, um, that the kingdom is already in those places. You don't have to bring it. You don't have to do it. It should be an encouragement, but when I first started to kind of like really internalize that, uh, I was not encouraged at all. In fact, I um, went back and read some like journal entries from a few years ago, and I was just asking the Lord, well, what's the point? You know? I felt aimless. What do I do then? Um, an unhealthy part of me was asking, how do I keep my seat at the table, you know? If the kingdom already exists everywhere, if the yeast is already doing its job, if the seed is already in the ground, and I have nothing to do. So in my kitchen, when I'm waiting for bread to rise, which I do, I do enjoy baking. I'm not a baker, but I do enjoy it. All I can do is trust that it will, and wait for it to finish. And I think that's the call of our inner lives as well. And it starts out as being very, a very unsatisfying answer. Oh, just trust and wait. <laughs> like, nobody wants to hear that. Uh, but nobody ever said it was easy to live this life with the Lord. Trusting and waiting. These are not action-oriented ideas. It isn't going out and doing. It's staying near to the source, trusting and waiting. It's the kind of power that seems like it's doing nothing at all. All right, so we've talked about inner lives. I also want to talk about the way that our outer lives will change when we really start to internalize the kingdom power is different and it's been here all along. And by outer lives, what I mean is how you relate to other people around you. Because it will change. Um, I am somebody who likes to buy things now and save them for later. 
I am especially bad about this. Um, if I'm like at a fancy grocery store, not Kroger, um, but if I'm in like a big town and they have like a variety of jams and, you know, apple butter and fig jam and all this stuff, I just want to buy it all now. And I'm going to keep it and it's going to go in my pantry and I'm going to use it in the future. Here's the problem with this. I found a little jar of fig butter in my pantry from 2018 this week. And then you have to play the game of, should I? <laughs> should I? <laughs> Do I serve this to myself? My family? Guests? Sorry, don't come to my house. Um, <laughs> I'm really bad about buying things now and waiting for its future use, but in that waiting, the thing expires. You don't ever get to use it. How often do we approach the kingdom of heaven the same way? In our culture, many of us were brought up in, you get the promise of heaven now when you get saved, but you have to wait until you die to use it. And that's the message we present to others too. Even your own little brother in bed at night <laughs> trying to go to sleep. Instead of declaring a message of the kingdom of heaven is for later, what if we invited others around us to discover along with us that the kingdom of heaven is here now? What if we asked them, come taste and see that the Lord is good with me now? What if we began to say, your kingdom come your will be done on earth now as it is in heaven. Of course, not everything in life can be so good. Uh, here's the thing. We meet others in this way because these parables are full of abundance. Uh, there is enough for now and enough for later and enough forever. If we look at the farmer spreading the seeds, what did Adam say? Was it last week? The seeds are spread liberally everywhere. The yeast that the woman was making, the bread that she was making, it wasn't just a little loaf. It was enough for like a ton of people. The plant that grows isn't just like Oh, one little bird can take up residence here. Birds, plural, make their nest in its branches. This is a message of abundance. And it is for us, but also for others around us. Now, trouble does come. We've got January trouble. We've got big, actual trouble. Uh, but again, the message of the kingdom is the same. Let's bring up Isaiah 61, which we read this morning. I love this passage. I'm going to read it again. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Thank God. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. 
To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. We're going to bring good news to the poor. Well, what's the good news? The kingdom of heaven is here, and God loves you. Uh, Comfort the brokenhearted. What is the comfort? The kingdom of heaven is here. God loves you. Prisoners freed. What what, uh, frees the prisoners? The kingdom of heaven is here, and God loves you. Turn mourners into rejoicers. What are they celebrating? How can you possibly do that? The kingdom is here right now, and God loves you. The kingdom being everywhere means there's hope for everyone in all circumstances, especially those that we just plain don't have a grid for. Something happened earlier this week, and I texted my husband and said, I don't even have a box to put this in. It so blows my mind. I I don't have a grid for this. And what I'm here to say is, even in those boxless situations, the kingdom of heaven is in it. It is already rising. It is already doing the work. And our call is to trust and wait. So if the band would like to come back up. What if instead we took our job, took it as our job to help open people's eyes to the places that the kingdom is already around us. So instead of asking, if you died tonight, where would you go? (laughs) What if we like just lived a life that invested in people around us and helped open their eyes to the fact that the kingdom is already here? It's an invitational kind of life. It's not a confronting with the possibility of hell kind of life. It's an invitational kind of life. That's what I felt the Lord saying the past couple weeks. Just invite people in. Like, learn how to live the kind of life where the kingdom is active and, and is already moving. You don't have to do anything. But invite people in to live it with you. Something else the Lord brought to mind was um, the parable of the woman looking for a lost coin. Again, had I cast myself as a character in that parable, I would have been the woman, right? I find the coin, and I go spread the good news to everybody I meet. But what the Lord so kindly told me was, you know, you're the coin, right? Obviously. (laughs) Um, But our message, if we start living into this way, is not, we're lost, we're lost, we're lost. It is, hey, we're found. We are found. We are found people. Yeah. All right, if you guys want to stand up. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.